Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the podcast version of my newsletter called Sarah by the Season, where I explore a little bit of everything that's on my mind as I try to lean into nature's wisdom and rhythms. Subscribe and learn more at sarahbytheseason.com. This week's newsletter is titled Rethinking Attachment, Love in the Particular. Without attachments, no life. This is how Andreas Weber begins his book, Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology, which I am slowly working my way through like a dense spring salad that is full of life and nutrition, but hard to chew nonetheless. I underlined that line three times and put three exclamation points above it because it reaffirms something I've long had a problem with in the yoga and Buddhist circles that I seem to frequent. The idea that the solution to our suffering is to detangle ourselves from all of our attachments. The first of the three poisons in Buddhism is apadana, typically translated as attachment or clinging. Buddhist teaching says that apadana keeps us suffering. In my yoga teacher training, we had to pick one of the yamas, which are the ethical rules according to yoga philosophy, to work with over the course of our training. I read somewhere that the yamas are the don't do these guidelines to a life well lived. I picked, or more accurately, it picked me, a parigraha, which is typically translated as non-attachment or non-grasping. I spent nearly a year focusing on this concept, and honestly, I was nearly as angsty about it when yoga teacher training was over as I was when it started, which probably has something to teach me in and of itself. A perigraha was, slash is, so difficult for me because it is precisely my attachments in my life that bring me so much joy. My relationships with my people, my place, the things I care passionately about. In yoga and Buddhist philosophy, the word I've seen most often associated with attachment is what these teachings recommend we do with our attachments. Surrender them. I don't want to surrender them because my attachments hold so much, perhaps all, of the good stuff in my life. For example, I don't like all 12-year-olds, but I love the particular 12-year-old Jasper version that I get to live with every day. While I appreciate all gardens, I'm attached to and love my specific garden best. I love trees, but I'm attached to a handful of them that are special to me that I pass each and every day. The best part is that in my attachments to the particulars, I have a larger capacity for love and empathy for all 12-year-olds or gardens or trees or fill in the blank. I've read enough Buddhist and yogic philosophy to know that when they're talking about non-attachment, they are probably talking about attachment gone awry. Too much of it becomes clinging, possessive, and greedy. I'm probably being willfully difficult just because I don't like this teaching, but it still comes off sounding to me like you can't get hurt if you don't get too close to anyone or anything, which, you know, is true. But also, what kind of life is that? Wendell Berry centers his beautiful Jefferson lecture around the idea that it all turns on affection. And by that, he means that good living arises out of affection for ourselves, our communities, and our places. He calls us to be people, quote, motivated by affection, by such love for a place in its life that we want to preserve it and, ma- and remain in it. Affection and care don't work in generalities, though. Affection requires specifics, it requires knowledge and wisdom, and it requires time and commitment. Affection, I think, requires healthy attachment. When we commit to learning about ourselves or people in our particular places, affection flows from that posture of curiosity, openness, and, yes, attachment. Back to Weber, who goes on to say, From cell division to child rearing, we can understand all processes in the biosphere as processes of relationship, and we can learn from them. In these processes, two different positions must be brought into balance, such that something altogether new emerges, something that both contains and completely redefines everything that preceded it. This connection of two or more different positions in a common cause, one that remains full of contradictions, is perhaps the most general definition of an ecosystem. 
It is also the precise description of loving attachment. I've been thinking a lot lately about what we miss by only platforming one perspective, by acting like there is only one way to understand a concept, especially an ancient spiritual one. By consistently associating attachment with a need for surrender, what might we be missing? What if, instead, we leaned into curiosity about our loving attachments? What if we noticed how our particular attachments help us to better sympathize or even empathize with others? How might we live differently if we opened our eyes to how the foundation of the whole thing is relationship and attachment, as Weber claims? You'll all have to check out the actual newsletter for my rants and raves and stuff we're sharing this week, which you can find at sarahbytheseason.substack.com. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you know of someone else who might like this sort of thing, I would love it if you would share it with them. You don't know how big of a difference it makes to writers and creators when you share our work. Learn more at sarahbytheseason.com. And cheers to thinking about your attachments in the week ahead.